0: Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Welcome to the Art Gallery of South Australia. My name is Tracy Locke and I'm the curator of Australian art here at the Art Gallery and I feel as though we have the kind of silence of a church at the moment here with all of you, which is quite appropriate for what I'm going to be talking about today. So thank you. I'm going to introduce you to a new acquisition in the collection and it's the work on this blade wall behind me, the very big work, and it's called Baptism of Christ and it's dated 1863 and it entered our collection as a donation last year, it's a very new acquisition and it was painted by an Australian artist called Robert Dowling. So what I'm going to do in my fairly brief talk today is talk a little bit about who was Robert Dowling and a little bit about the interpretation of the painting and then about how it is that it has entered our collection, which is very exciting indeed. Well, firstly, I guess what I would like to say is It seems in terms of popular culture that we're sort of seeing images of Jesus in all kinds of places. If you look at Facebook and so forth, you see people discovering the image of Christ on pancakes and on pieces of toast and and kind of everywhere. And, And I read recently that, interestingly, a documentary called Super Size Me... I don't know if anyone has seen that documentary, but it was made in 2004. And in that documentary, they interviewed some American children and they tested them. And the children were able to very easily identify who George Washington was. And certainly they were able to identify Ronald McDonald, but they had trouble identifying Jesus and I thought well that's kind of interesting too on one hand where we're seeing Jesus appearing on pieces of toast and and yet there's these mixed messages where children are growing up and they're not recognizing the image of Jesus but I think certainly in terms of the western art history no other subject has been a greater preoccupation for artists and certainly many of you will know and and be familiar in your mind's eyes, are images such as the Madonna and Child, the Pieta, the Resurrection, and so forth and so on. So great subjects, quests of subjects for, for major artists throughout Western art history. And what's particularly interesting about the baptism of Christ is that Unlike the image of the Madonna and Child, for example, it is not a devotional image. So what we're looking at today is an image of the baptism of Christ. So it's based, it's a Protestant image, if you like, and it's based on a narrative from the New Testament. So in this way, in terms of religious imagery, this work by Robert Dowling is is a little bit different and certainly is is sort of highly realist as as you can see now you will wonder then why was you know robert dowling painting this in 1863 in london why was he interested In painting a subject like this and it's important for us to remember although it's worrying to hear about the Super Size Me uh, documentary and, and information the fact is at this time in London in the 1860s, 1850s, 1870s there was a great fashion and interest in producing scenes based on narratives from the Bible so religious subjects were very very much to taste and were certainly exhibited at the Royal Academy, and and, and very, very popular. And indeed, many of you will know that depictions, religious subjects, were a great subject of the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. And many of those Pre-Raphaelites were inspired to paint religious images in a very realistic way so that the realism really supported their belief bases in Christianity. And um, so a lot of the pre-Raphaelite painters like William Holman Hunt and Rossetti and others went to great lengths to record these images truthfully and in fact many of them spent years living in the Holy Land, and living in Cairo, and living in the Middle East, so that they were able to depict the landscape in a realistic way, so that they were able to depict costume in a realistic way, and also and the architecture. And it's really interesting because Robert Dowling did the same thing, he too spent time living in Cairo and travelling around the Middle East so that he had a very close and clear sense of the environment there. And, of course, again, having this sense of truthfulness was a way of underpinning the fact and truth of their belief system of Christianity. This really brings us to the mystery of who is Robert Dowling and it would be fair to say and and reasonable for many of you, you may not know of his name. His name is not as well known as perhaps the likes of Eugene von Gerard or John Glover and so forth. But he was our very first homegrown artist. And so he was our first artist who had trained in Australia. He was born in 1827 and in fact he was born in Britain. And he arrived in Launceston, Tasmania as a seven-year-old boy. But he spent his childhood in Tasmania and he studied really first, in fact, he studied to be a saddle maker and trained as a saddle maker. But his calling was to the visual arts and he studied with a major uh, artist such as Thomas Bock and artists like Henry Mundy, portrait artist working in Launceston in Tasmania at the time and another portrait painter called Frederick Strange. So he switched careers, if you like, and trained here and he actually went on to be the first Australian artist to establish a substantial career overseas. So, most of his career, his career was 35 years long and 27 of those years were spent living and working in, mostly, in, in London. So, at a young age, he left Australia and he arrived in London in 1857. By 1859, he had works accepted at the Royal Academy. So, he continued his studies in London and he gained huge success. Despite the fact he spent 27 years in London... Very little is known about that period in his career and life. We know about some paintings that he produced, but we don't know today where they are located. So it's like this great mystery, a gap in Australian art history of the whereabouts, where are all these major paintings he produced? And I will get to the point at the end about the story behind this particular painting, which was a recent discovery. So he, pro- he was hugely successful in London and he preceded the likes of people like Rupert Bunny, who spent nearly 50 years in Europe, the likes of Tom Roberts, who also did so, and artists that followed those artists, like Sidney Nolan and so forth. So in terms of Australian art history, Robert Dowling's really important to us for being one of those first to head across to Europe, succeed and stay there for quite a lengthy period of time. Eventually, of course, As time passed, Melbourne was becoming a very prosperous city in the 1880s. He had family members in Victoria and he decided to return to live in Australia in around 1884 and for two years he set up a a studio in Collins Street in Melbourne, hugely successful. He was like the celebrity portrait painter of the time. And he decided, yes, he would make the move for good and went returned to London briefly to pack up his London life, to return permanently. And over in England, at the age of 59, he died of a heart attack. So it was a very sudden ending to quite a startling and brilliant career and obviously a great tragedy to Australian art history. He was remembered very fondly and I might repeat to you some quotes about his character he was said to be absolutely free from envy or jealousy he was prompt to recognize ability and praise it he loved his art but he loved artists more he was breezy genial and sympathetic he took cheerful views of life he looked on the bright side of human nature and was somewhat of a laughing philosopher. So that is our artist, Robert Dowling. But more importantly, he grew up in a devout Christian household. His father was Australia's first Baptist minister. And Henry Dowling, his father spent over 30 years baptizing people certainly across Tasmania. And Robert Dowling was his youngest son. In fact, Robert Dowling was the eighth child in the family, six sons, two daughters, and he was able to witness his father out in his ministering work. His father was quite uh, evangelical and his father was renowned for his anti-transportation views, anti-slavery views, and in fact, Robert Dowling himself was he was named after a controversial anti-slavery figure robert hawker reverend robert hawker and so our artist, Robert Darling grew up in a liberal household, a household dedicated to liberal ideals and views about humanity and, and certainly Christianity. And we're really lucky here at the Art Gallery of South Australia because we have a major painting by John Glover in the collection, a beautiful masterwork, and it depicts Robert Darling's father ministering a baptism. And so we're thrilled to have the connection here. But Robert Dowling himself, many of you will know, with with Baptists, you make the decision as an adult to become baptised and enter into living the life in the name of, of God and Christ. And you make that as an adult. And in fact, it was at the age of 24 that Robert Dowling made that decision and his father fully baptised him. So it's a full adult immersion in water. And so you see with this kind of upbringing, reading the Bible daily at home in his life and making that commitment to his religious beliefs, it infused his own works of art, which brings us to this very subject, baptism of Christ. So this is a subject that had actually preoccupied Robert Dowling from the 1850s. He made a few attempts at it, but this is his largest version. And as I say, he completed it in London in 1863, and it was displayed at the Colnagy Art Dealership in Pall Mall in London to favourable reviews. But by 1865, this masterwork huge in scale, in fact his largest and single most ambitious London painting disappeared without a trace and what it seemed was the gentleman by the name of Sir Peter Coates purchased this painting in London in 1865 but then it disappeared and it disappeared for over 150 years. Recently And I'll just mention too, out of interest, Sir Peter Coates uh, belonged to a family of thread manufacturers in Scotland, the biggest makers of threads, I'm led to believe, in the world at the time. And also Baptists, of course. So it was purchased by Peter Coates and then disappeared. In 2018, the scholar, the Australian arts scholar John Jones received a message from some people in Scotland and those people were from the Sir Thomas Coates Church in Paisley and Paisley is a small town, about 20 minutes drive out of Glasgow in Scotland. And they had traced John Jones down because John Jones had written a book and had Researched the life of Robert Dowling and they traced John Jones down to say, We're contacting you, we believe you are the authority on Robert Dowling because we have a large painting in our deacon's office in our church in Paisley. And when they say church, the church in Paisley in which this painting was ha- hanging in the deacon's room is a, was about the size of our own St. Peter's Cathedral here in Adelaide so seated about a thousand people, a substantial church. They contacted John Jones because it was being deconsecrated and the congregation was closing and they had only a matter of weeks to strip everything out of the church. They contacted John Jones to say, look, we've got this painting and it's signed Robert Dowling and we think you might be able to help us. And of course, John Jones was absolutely shocked because he'd been looking for this painting his whole career he'd known about it being exhibited in london in 1865 but he didn't know where it had gone and there it was it had turned up in um, in the office of the church and it had only been with that church in paisley uh, since 1930. prior to that it had been in other one other church and in other members of the family but um, Peter Coates was also a great supporter of the Paisley Art Museum and he acquired other examples of Robert Dowling's work for that museum. So I then received a phone call from John Jones to see whether the gallery would be willing to receive this painting as a gift from the trustees of the Paisley uh, Sir Thomas Coates Church in Paisley. And of course we were delighted because in fact of course John Jones was very aware of this that we have a substantial collection of Robert Dowling's work here in the Art Gallery of South Australia's collection because Robert Dowling was one of the single most important figure and portrait painters working from the 1850s to the early 1880s and we have examples of his aboriginal portraits a wonderful landscape and a few other portraits so to have an example of his religious subject matter is an incredible thrill to us because his 27 years working in England, as I say, his work was very much commingled and mixed up with other practitioners working in London at that time producing similar work and the work has disappeared we can't find it so there's not a lot of examples of the work he produced in London now in Australia so we're thrilled to have this work enter our collection and to um, represent his religious subject matter but also that it is deeper than that because we know his history and his childhood in Tasmania, his commitment to Christianity and his belief systems, the fact it's a subject of, you know, really what was his father's own ministry is, is really tremendously personal and wonderful for us. So enough of that. What I would really love to do is point out some aspects to you in the painting. Of course, the frame is neoclassical and original. At the bottom of the frame is a beautiful guild scroll and it has quotes from the Gospels which I will read out to you. But essentially, the entire painting captures the moment that the Holy Spirit enters Christ. And we know from the Gospels that John the Baptist, the figure behind reaching up to the sky, immersed Jesus in the the River Jordan. And as he rose, it was said that the Holy Spirit descended upon him as he emerged from the waters in the form of a dove. And you will note at the top of the painting here, at the very top, it looks like a starburst, but if you look closely, it's a dove. And so the artist is is representing that absolute first moment. What's very striking about the painting is the luminosity around the form of Jesus. And after I finish my talk, I do urge you to come and have a look very closely to the painted picture because I have to say this painting is absolutely beautifully demonstrates... Dowling's skill as a painter, because when you look at the painted surface and the beautiful halo around Jesus, you will see that he's used a very particular painting technique that's quite impasto but what it does yes it's kind of white and bright but because of the ridges in the impasto it reflects a lot more light and gives it great luminosity. In other areas of the painting you will see he's using almost a pointillism approach a dot very fine and very thin all through here. And then a different kind of approach to create the, the bulrushes and, and reeds here. So what he's using is a number of painting techniques to capture an incredible sense of realism. And you'll note the beautiful red sky and so forth and the way he's captured the camel skin texture of St. John the Baptist's robes and, of course, the robes of, of Jesus and also the dripping water droplets coming off of the robe of Jesus gives it that sense of immediacy, of him just immersion. He's literally still dripping wet from his baptism into the waters the other thing that's really evident is the posture of Jesus if you if you see him he has he's almost striding his leg is forward he's not full frontal and static he's slightly off center and moving forward so again it gives this work a sense of movement and a sense of aliveness and and realism Um, And of course, the image of Jesus is classic, that image that we've come to know essentially in in Western art history since about the fourth century. He's got long hair and, and, and a beard, and of course, he's holding his hand on his heart. Now, what kind of woke me during the night recently was the revelation that I actually think, and you can debate with me if you like, and I'll show you an image, but the face of Jesus looks very much like Robert Dowling himself. And so I have a theory. I have no proof, uh, but I have a theory that I I do wonder whether, in fact, the face of Jesus was modelled on himself. But that brings me to the point being that what's really powerful here is the artist is really saying, even in the scale of the picture, he, the figure of Jesus, it's literally life-size. We know this because the conservator at Art Lab fitted exactly into his form when he was standing in front of it the other day. And it's literally life-size. What he's saying here is this is real I believe this and this is real and it's true and it's my life's work so it's a very very inspiring work for us to acquire it is very personal as I mentioned but it is also presented to you today after over a year of painstaking cleaning because when John Jones got the phone call from our trustees in Scotland, the work was in original condition. So since it was painted in 1863, it had never been cleaned. The frame was damaged, the symbols of the passion at the very top, the goblet and the crown of thorns and the the crucifix were all damaged, and some of the cherubs faces in the corners the ornaments in the corners of the gilt frame were also damaged and these were all conserved by art lab but the level of grime remember oil lamps would have been burning cigar smoke the filth of the London atmosphere all gathered onto the surface of this canvas to make it look incredibly drab and brown and dark so it has now returned to its its literal glory. We owe all of that to the wonderful work of the Art Lab conservators and also their skill on fixing the frame. So yes, I guess that's, that's pretty much all I was really going to say. There's not a lot more uh, really to say other than it is a one of the best known examples of religious subjects uh, by one of our most important artists. Of the 1850s to the 1880s, so a significant addition is something that the art gallery would never be able to afford to buy, and so we are incredibly indebted to the trust of the the trustees of the Sir Thomas Coates Church, and also to our wonderful scholar John Jones, who was so familiar with our collection here. Interestingly, we often talk about our Australian art collection and its diversity and its variety it is not an Australian art collection just dedicated to the landscape genre and we actually have incredible examples of religious subject matter in the Australian art collection which this work will speak to as well as our Victorian subjects uh, in our our high Victorian subjects in our British collection and our wonderful William Holman Hunt of Christ and the Two Marys which is a masterwork uh, and this work speaks directly to it so I might finish at that point and I'm happy to be challenged on the identity of the face of Jesus Um, but it's really an iconic work and I do wish to thank you all for coming in today and um, joining me here in listening to my talk if you have any questions please okay so the question is um just reaffirming that we don't know a lot about his 27 years away and whether he did go and travel to the holy land um you may recall I, I mentioned that he did go and he certainly went twice at least twice and spent um a couple of years in cairo in the 1870s and where else he went we unfortunately don't know but he definitely did spend time over there okay so the 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 comment is that it we could be looking at an Australian landscape which is a lovely idea I think what what it is is in this particular case is so broadly generalized it would be very hard to say Um, but it's a lovely idea especially with him thinking yes That's a really great question. The comment is about um, time of day. I'm quite certain it's close to sunset. And the one thing I did fail to do with my preparation is reread my Gospels and find out whether there is a recording of whether it was a particular time of day. Perhaps somebody here knows, but I don't know. But to me, it reads as as late afternoon and, and sunset. Look, I think what you're pointed to was really important for everyone to hear is that the concept of spiritualism, is profound in Australia in not just Australian art, but Western art history. And there are all different kinds of manifestations, if you like, of worship and uh, spiritualism. So it's, it's, it's a whole kind of huge study in itself. But what I might do is just stand here uh, for a few minutes with uh, the book open to the page of Robert Dowling's self-portrait and perhaps you can file past and and make your vote as you wish about whether it is in fact a self-portrait. So I'll leave it at that and thank you so much for your time and and for coming today. Thank you.